Penn State Conversations is a podcast produced by the Donald P. Bellisario College of Communications. Episode topics range from the people, programs, and events that shape the Bellisario College to discussing key aspects of life in the professional world for young and upcoming communications alumni. Please enjoy this episode of Penn State Conversations. On today's episode, we have play-by-play announcer for Penn State football, and men's basketball, as well as part-time professor Steve Jones. So, Mr. Jones, how did you how did you get your start in um, uh, announcing? Yeah. You know, I was at Penn State Wilkesbury campus, Paris, and they had a radio station. It was a ten watt radio station, ten watts, which meant you could lose it in the parking lot as you were driving out. <laughs> but my sophomore year, I got in there. And I started doing a few things, and I really enjoyed it. I probably was a horror show in the air, but I enjoyed it. And then I did my first game. And there's a lot of things I do today that are, are direct offshoot of Gil, of Gil Santos. Things that I do today that there's no question I stole. <laughs> right? But also something else I stole from him is how I teach my class. I teach my class the same way that he dealt with me. So when I talk to them, I first of them I tell them all of them every project, what are you doing right? And the reason I want to tell them is what you're doing right is that you only get better with confidence. So if you tell somebody you're doing something right, that instantly gives them confidence. Keep building on that. Then when it comes time to check as to what could make it better, I don't tell them it's bad or horrible. I tell them, if you try it this way, it'll be better. Because again, confidence is so important in this. In everything you do, I mean, you know as a player what confidence meant. If a coach said something to you on a positive side, you walked out of there feeling better and you built upon it. You know, it's not easy when you're torn down. And, and he did that. And, you know, and Fran Fisher was a great example to me as well. I can't go through an interview without making sure Fran Fisher was a mention. Because Fran, his passion for Penn State, his passion as to how he called the game, how excited he got for games, how he treated people. He was so great with people. Because part of this job, a big part of this job is not on the air. Part of this job is talking to groups, one-on-one with somebody, making sure that your time, right, that people think your time is valuable, but that you think their time is valuable, that they want to talk to you. Fran taught me all of that. So I, I had some great teachers. John Grant taught me the, the, the value of preparation. And somebody asked me one time, you know, when would I get out of this? And I said, well, obviously, if, you know, I said, if you keep your marbles, <laughs> let's start with that. I said, but I said, if there's ever a point where you, you feel like you, uh, I don't feel like preparing. Well, that's when you should get out. You have to have a passion to prepare. And even though you sit there and you do the game, and only maybe 1% of what you prepared, the 1% changes every game. So John Grant talked about value of preparation. So, I mean, I have, I have a lot of great examples. To kind of piggyback off of preparation, um, just knowing that you cover so many different sports, what yeah. kind of goes into, you know, as the seasons change and you shift from football to basketball, baseball, what kind of goes into your preparation 
you know, as the seasons are coming? Like, I take a lot of time in the off season. Now, football and basketball, you can do this. Baseball, you can't. With the state college spikes, we don't know the roster until a week before. So it's really hard to prepare because it depends on what the Cardinals want to do with the team and who they're going to send here, who they draft. And baseball is more of a day-by-day preparation. A lot goes into that. But in the offseason for basketball and football, you can prepare a lot. So I take April and May, and I prepare every single game on the schedule. And I take them in chronological order. And you look back and say, okay, uh, let's take uh, Justin Fields from Ohio State. So I'm working on Ohio State. So Fields, all right, how many 200-yard passing games did he end up with last year? What's his career high now in passing? What's his career high now in rushing? How many 100-yard rushing games did he have? What's his longest run, longest pass? Yeah, hey, let's update the fact that he's now a, a true junior, right? Things like that. Then you, know, you go through the roster for everybody. I do that for every single team. All right, Shea Patterson is no longer the quarterback at Michigan. Boom, let's move Dylan McCaffrey up. Let's take a couple of other guys, move them up. Let's make sure we have all their stuff updated. I do that for every position. Basketball, same thing. You go through, okay, he's opted for the draft. He signed with an agent. He's he's not coming back. Uh, boy, they signed, you know, most classes are signed early. You know, so in November, so like, let's add in that freshman, that freshman, that freshman. What's his height? What's his freshman class? Hometown. Boom. And then you go and you change all that up. That way, when I get to Memorial Day, I already have in my laptop at least all the basics so that when I get to the week of a game, now, you know, you've got to make some changes on freshmen's not playing. He beat this guy out. Oh, he got hurt. He's out. Uh, I'm now I'm updating the stats. This is what they've done to this season. Okay, he's had 12, 100, 200-yard passing games, but he's had four more this year, so that's 16 before. Right? And you do things like that. Uh, and it makes the preparation easier and far more efficient by doing it in the off season. And that's what I found works best for me. And then during the week, I watch a lot of tape all the time. Uh, you have to watch tape. If you don't watch it, and at least get a feel for the people you're looking at out there. And uh, so I'll look at a couple games of an opponent, uh, usually a bowl game, I'll look at four. For basketball, I've got access to games and scout tape, which really helps. The access to scout tape, you know, hey, this guy's left-handed, this guy drives, this guy's a three-point shooter. Okay, uh, So I've got access to that, and I'm at practice all the time. Now, this is where Joe Paterno, Tom Bradley, Bill O'Brien, James Franklin, right, and then all the way through all the basketball coaches through Patrick Chambers, have given me the greatest advantage. Now, it's up to me not to say a word as to what's going on out there, but the deep background you get of watching a practice saying, okay, you know what? Paris Palmer's getting better at left tackle. I can see that. You know, I can see his footwork, I can see his hands. I mean, you can just see he's getting better. He's gonna really help this team. Uh, You know, I'll sit in a film session, right? So I'm sitting in a film session with Patrick Chambers the other night before Indiana, and over and over again, they kept emphasizing this team, Indiana, is a great offensive rebounding team. 
Well, in the pregame, you talk about their great offensive rebounding team. In the postgame show, the first question I asked him in the postgame show was that from the 1559 mark of the second half to the 335 mark of the second half, that 12 and a half minute span, you did not allow a single offensive rebound. How important was that to winning? Now, I already know he's emphasized this to the team because he's given me the advantage of that. But the advantage falls now to the audience. You've now given them insight as to what they're thinking, how they're thinking, why they're thinking. Now, you, a James Franklin allows me to see everything that's going on, warts and all, right? Where you and you're able to take out of it. Okay, why is somebody playing? Why isn't somebody playing? You know, wh why do the coaches have confidence in them? Why do the coaches trust this individual? Uh, you know, what what's their thought process process as to how they wanted to enter the game, right? And it tells you in the end, you know, A, how smart and how prepared they are. And there's another part, too, to this. When I'm interviewing coaches, if I'm interviewing James Franklin or I'm interviewing Patrick Chambers, I don't question them. I ask them questions. There's a big difference. Because they know more about their job and their topic. As much as I think I know, I don't know anywhere near what they know. So when I'm out on that practice field, it's a learning process for me all the time. Are there certain things I already know and have a pretty good handle on? Yeah, but that doesn't mean I'm not sitting there absorbing and learning the entire time. And they've made me, for whatever you think I am, I know I'm better because, because they've helped me out so much. It seems as though that um, building relationships and maintaining those relationships is a really big part of your success and has been since you've been on air. Is that something that you echo to your students about the importance of maintaining those relationships? That's a really good question, Paris, because I think that is really important. And I think it's just part of my personality. I've never really looked at it that way. But uh, let me give, give an example. When I'm out there, let's take the broadcast, the booth part of it. So when I'm out there with Jack Hammer, Dick Girardi, I feel like we're a couple of guys watching a football game and a couple of guys watching a basketball game. I remember years ago, Penn State was playing Pitt at Three River Stadium. It was 2000. And in the first half, Jack was rushing, rushing, rushing. We got to halftime. I said, hey, can I talk to you for a second? This is the only time we ever talked about this. I said, can I talk to you about something for a second? He said, yeah. I said, why are you rushing so much? He goes, well, I'm trying to make sure that you get it back. I said, I could care less. And I, said, I said, Jack, I, and I feel the same way about Dick. I said, people want to hear what you have to say and what you're seeing and why you're seeing it. I said, especially me. And the same thing with Dick. I told him, you know, <laughs> Dick and I were about to do our first game. It was in Milwaukee. And Dick Girardi says to me, he says, can I ask you this? How's this going to work? I said, I'll talk, you'll talk, I'll talk, you talk, and then we'll both talk. That's exactly what I said. And his response was, that's legendary. <laughs> well, I don't, nobody had, nobody cares who talks. I mean, I'm working with, out there, to be frank with you, I'm working with two of my best friends. I don't care. So if Jack says something short, I'll say more. 
If Jack says something along, I'll just pick it up and go. Dick will talk in the middle of a play. I don't care. I'll pick up the ball where it is. And I think that's just a, a respect for two people I just think have incredible knowledge that the audience wants to hear. It doesn't matter who talks and gets the credit for talking. Same thing with, with coaches. You know, building relationships with them um, along the way is so important that James Franklin can say something to me or Patrick Chambers can say something to me and they trust that that's where it ends, right? That they can show something in practice and it's not going to go anywhere. That I can sit in a film session with Patrick Chambers and, right? And he can say whatever he wants and he knows darn well that's where it ends, right? And that when something comes up, because you know that you're going to have their back. Coaches need to have people have their back too, along the way. So it's I've been fortunate to work with people like that, and I just I don't know. And then there's the players. Yeah, this is the part that's not taught me. People say you're never critical of a player. No, I'm never critical of a player. Now, will I say, hey, that wasn't a good play? Of course you say it's not a good play. Will you say they're not playing well? Yeah, you'll say they're not playing well. I mean, don't take a gene, they're not playing well. But you're not saying X is absolutely horrible, he's killing this team. No. Because guess what? You know the player, you are around the player, you understand their pluses, you understand like everybody else, they're trying to fight through everything. And guess what? Their friends might be listening. Their parents might be listening, right? Now, if it's a professional who's making seven figures, you can be a little more critical of what's going on, as opposed to a student athlete who, by the way, after today's practice, go had to go take three classes. Who, by the way, before this week's game, took uh, four finals. You know, I. I could never be critical of a player. And you build relationships with players. And that and the players, I think, as time goes, they, you know, they appreciate that you appreciate them. I think that helps. I think it's important, you know, and then players come back later after they've done other other things, and they go, Hey, how you been? It's like you know, it's, it's one of the great, you know, it's one of the I've never really talked about this. But you know, you, I mean, after a long time, you get an honor here and an honor there. But when I was named an honorary letterman by the Football Letterman's Club a year ago, I was completely taken aback by that. I still can't even believe I'm even saying I'm even part of that group. They actually played. I did nothing. But the fact they thought of me in that way, I, that's one of the coolest things ever. Do you have the, the letterman no, jacket? I, don't have, okay. I, have I have nothing. I don't even. I don't even have a certificate of authenticity. But you know, they, I got a phone call. <laughs> yeah. That's all you needed for validation. And Shane Conlon's like, "Hey, this is great." I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> That's amazing. Well, it just sounds like you know, throughout your career, you've been someone who's not only maintained that professional level of execution, but also you are someone who like when your name comes up only only good memories and good thoughts come to people's minds and i know right. for me and the players that like know you that i can speak for them too and we definitely say that hey you know 
Steve Jones is someone who, who does it right, the right way, you know, and I'm sure that your students will be able to echo that as well. And having someone uh, like such as yourself in that mentor role will be, you know, it'll, it'll do wonders for the next round of sportscasters we have coming up because they're able to see that, hey, you don't have to be controversial or tear someone down during your broadcast to be effective. No, there's no need for that. You know, first of all, every time you sit down in the seat, you look around and go, this is pretty cool. Yeah. Wow, I get to do a game. I get to be around really great people. Um, and I, I have a blast doing my job. Now, <laughs> during the ups and downs of the game, look, like, let's be honest about it, all right? Do I want Penn State to win every game? You're darn right I do. <laughs> Anyone who says, oh, I'm completely objective going into the game. Okay, you're lying. <laughs> That's if you're broadcasting for a team. If you're doing, because I've done some BTN neutral stuff before, where literally I've gone in there and like, you know, it's like Michigan was facing Illinois in wrestling. I mean, I could care less who won, right? <laughs> but if I'm doing a Penn State game, the Penn State Network, you're darn right, I care if Penn State wins the game or not. But you also want to be fair when the other team does something right. You mentioned they do it right. And I'll never forget Joe Paterno saying to me, he says, Steve, sometimes when things aren't going right for us, remember the other guy is capable of doing something right too. Right. And I've never forgotten that part. But it's the coolest job going. I mean, it really is. Look at all the great people. The great people I get to work with. The great people I get to work around. You know, the great young people you get to see. I mean, you know, when I'm on a, a football practice sideline and I'm seeing Tariq Castro Fields pull a young kid aside and say, you got to do this, this, and this. Those are things fans don't get to see, that they care that much. When I see Lamar Stevens pulling Seth Lundy aside and say, come on, man. He says, you're, you're my guy. Do it this the way, this way, this way. Right? You get to see things people don't get a chance to see as to how great young people are. And great young people. And I get a chance to see all that. It's one of the coolest things. And it's why when I sit back and I look at it, not just the people that run Penn State, they have Sandy Barber and James and Patrick and Kale and Russ. I mean, Russ and I have been here almost the same. I think Russ has been here two years longer than I have. Uh, you know, and everything that they've done. But it's the young people that I look at. You know, they come in at 18, they're kind of like, oh, okay, and all of a sudden they're like 22, 23, and like, and how much they've matured, how great they are. And to be honest with these people, say, oh, you're, you, know, you say, like, you know, I'm always fair with you guys. Oh, I really like you guys. <laughs> okay, it's pretty easy to like you guys. Okay, and you guys treat me really, really well, even though I'm the old guy standing there. Standing there, it doesn't look like I'm doing anything. <laughs> well, I'm certainly just excited to have you around, and um, I know that um, uh, you must have, you know, just a constant growing IQ of those games that you are or oh, games I've, those places you're able to Paris I've had in. I've had the best seat in the house for some of the greatest moments in Penn State history and you know you sit there and you think you know let's just take one recent one okay the Grand Haley play 
right, where Marcus Allen blocks it, Green Haley picks it up, and the stadium just explodes. Yeah. And after everything Penn State had been through, that was the first time in a few years where I felt, instead of being, quote, us against the world as a fan base, suddenly there was that explosion of joy. Happiness was back. You know, I've had a chance to broadcast history. Joe's 324th, his 400th, his 409th. I've had a chance to do Rose Bowls, Fiesta, Cotton, Orange. You get to sit in some places when you're growing up as a kid saying, oh, that's pretty cool. NCAA tournaments, NITs. There was a time, it was 2016, 16, 17. Where in a two-week span, I did a game at Madison Square Garden. I did a, it did the Rose Bowl, and I did a game at the Palestra. I won two weeks. I looked around. Dick Girardi said, "That's a strong trifecta." <laughs> <laughs> That's my biggest go. But it's, I mean, the excitement of being here. Like think of all the great things that happened here. All of the history that's happened here, the great moments, the great games, the great players, the great coaches, right? the enthusiasm, the excitement, everything that goes with it. You know, wrestling's got eight national championships in nine years. Now, I haven't, you know, during that span, I've done a couple on BTN, but that's been about it. But at least seeing it, you know, women's volleyball with that done, women's soccer, I mean, a long list of things. But doing football and basketball, to have a front row seat to that. Man, you're one lucky dog. Are you? <laughs> they say, hey, yeah, you can do that. Okay. <laughs> Sign me up. You know? and, and I've always felt about this job. It's interesting because when people have asked me about coaches taking a job, they said, what's the first thing you're looking for in a coach? I said, well, obviously, it's, a, it's somebody who can coach and academics and things like that. I got that part. I said, but there's one factor I think that's always important because this is my factor. I want them to feel like Penn State is the job because to me in sports broadcasting, yeah, there's CBS, ESPN, Fox, so forth. I got that. But to me, Penn State is the job. So I just want other people to feel the same way about it. That's all. <laughs> just want those around you to appreciate the same yeah. way. I could definitely, I could definitely understand that. Well, Mr. Jones, thank you so much for your time and your honesty and in that deep dive into your life and in your history. As you've been working here at Penn State. So appreciative to have you today. Uh, Paris, you know, you're one of the guys that all want look, people understand all the stuff Paris has been doing. A lot of stuff at Channel 3 over the years, not just as a football player. This guy is good at his craft. I mean, good at his craft. So he's somebody that the uh, College of Com should be very proud of. Thank you for your time today. I appreciate it. Yeah, thank you so much. Thank you for listening to this episode of Penn State Conversations. For more information about the Donald P. Bellisario College of Communications, including the latest news and upcoming events, visit bellisario.psu.edu or find us on social media at PSU Bellisario on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter.